If you want to view Paradise, go to the suburbs. Uh, We'll talk about that and more as we continue our look at Essential Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume 3. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Welcome back to our look at Essential Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume 3. There were not a ton of major villains who appeared in the book. Uh, I think more more of the really uh, heavy hitters tended to show up in Amazing Spider-Man. Nevertheless, you did have a few. Craven and Electro were uh, two major villains from Spider-Man's Silver Age. Uh, certainly, Electro was not looked on as quite the big deal he had been back in the 1960s. Although Craven would have uh, one of the best-known Spider-Man storylines in just a few years. In the spectacular Spider-Man appearance, he's notable for appearing beside Calypso, a voodoo priestess who uh, tried to help Craven uh, do away with Spider-Man, but Craven viewed her methods as uh, dishonorable. And I think in that way showed a greater sense of honor than he had in a lot of his appearances in the Silver Age. Towards the end of the book, we also get to see Doc Ock appear. However, his uh, escape from prison is teased in issue 72, but we don't actually see him until issue 73. They do instead in issue 72, I think, is pretty clever. They tease the release, but instead we meet a kid who is part of a group of kids who run around dressing up as supervillains for fun, and he's come up with the best Doc Ock costume ever, complete with mechanical arms, and so he goes around town in it. Doc Ock is wanted. This leads to some confusion and... um, Introduction of a character who would be back about a dozen times or so. Issues 73 and 74 feature the Owl and Doc Ock, as well as Kingpin. I like the inclusion of the Owl, since he was always more of a Daredevil villain than a Spider-Man villain. They make some slight uh, reinvention of the character after he had been in a very critically uh, wounded condition in his last appearance in Daredevil. There's some great action scenes as well as a battle over uh, MacGuffin with a very surprising resolution at the end of issue 74 which closes out the book, which I won't spoil for you, even though it was published 35 years ago. You also have a lot of minor, lesser-known villains uh, show up. There's the Smuggler, who the book makes a point of, used to be known as Power Man until Luke Cage cleaned his clock and won the right to use that title. Of course, now everybody knows Luke Cage is Luke Cage. Still, he was never really a villain who was worthy of that name. 
There was Nitro, who could blow himself up. There was Jack-O-Lantern, who had a Jack-O-Lantern on his head. But uh, in other ways, ripped off the uh, Green Goblin design. To me, the character doesn't look scary or intimidating, just looks kind of silly. There's the Ringer. There's the Beetle, who uh, I think they wanted to have as a major uh, villain at one point, like back in the 60s. But never quite made it, um, and he also appeared in the series with the Gibbon, a guy who was a bit of a Spider-Man fan, but ended up disillusioned running around in a Gibbon costume. There's the Ringer, Moonstone, Goldbug, and probably one of the more interesting ones was Boomerang. Boomerang was a former Major League pitcher who threw boomerangs. Uh, as part of his attempts at being an assassin. And he decided he wanted to be the uh, Kingpin's point man to replace Bullseye. And so he decided to uh, kill a witness who was rumored to be giving testimony that would be damaging to the Kingpin. Unfortunately, he later finds out that the Kingpin actually wanted the guy to testify and... Spider-Man not only has to defeat him, he's also got to save his life. That issue is really interesting. Uh, It's a good character piece because the guy is a bit of a born loser. And you'd almost feel sympathy for him if he wasn't trying to be a, a Class A killer. It's a good story and a strong highlight. The book also does delve into a bit of propaganda or if you prefer, a PSA for gun control. Issue 71 begins with a robbery at a store, and Peter disarming the one of the robbers, but the owner not seeing it, and shooting the robber who was a young kid. And the teenage boy dies, and Peter returns to the bugle, where Robbie proceeds to give a lecture on gun control that goes on for several pages with Lance taking a mildly pro-gun viewpoint and being there to ask the perfect questions to give Robbie the chance to uh, put up his own uh, anti-gun arguments. It's a bit pedantic, but the long lecture is interrupted by news that there are gun runners are bringing illegal guns into the city, and it's up to Spider-Man to go and stop them. And there's a pretty good uh, scene. These aren't uh, obviously the great villains uh, Spider-Man usually tangles with. He stops the gun runners, but a police officer ends up killed with, of course, a gun in the course of the uh, action. Well, this is a propaganda comic, and to be honest, it's not even Manlow's best uh, attempt at uh, political propaganda in comics. His Iron Man number 78 uh, regarding the Vietnam War is probably a near classic of the art and does it better than anything uh, here. I will say that whatever your views on gun control, I appreciate this more than a lot of modern attempts to introduce politics into comics. While the pages of uh, arguments over gun control are a bit boring, they show respect for the audience. Uh, Mantlo is of the opinion 
There are people in the audience who disagree with me. I can present reasoned arguments to them that can persuade it, as well as reinforce that with an emotional anecdote. And he even hints at a bit of nuance. Mantlow doesn't argue 100% for certain we pass uh, gun control laws, we're going to solve all gun crime uh, problems. It's J. Jonah Jameson, of all people, who delivers the nuance. Uh, he says, but the story they tell isn't over, not by a long shot. While the police, despite Spider-Man's interference, were stopping one gun smuggling operation in Brooklyn, 12 more handgun shootings took place in New York City alone. And we have one of the toughest gun control laws in the country. What's the answer? Can anyone tell me? Anyone? While Mantlow was undoubtedly using the comic to argue for his point of view, he also was willing to admit or show some uncertainty over whether gun control would actually be a panacea to fix the whole problem of gun crime. So while it's propaganda, I don't think it's hackish. And it's certainly preferable to many attempts we have in modern-day media to address these sort of issues. So now it's time for final ratings. And Essential Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume 3, is definitely classy. The 1980s, uh, particularly the early part of the decade, was a rich part of the Spider-Man history, producing some great stories, and that didn't just apply to the main Spider-Man book. Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man had some great stories where even if the villains were not usually the top of the line, they still had great action, some good character uh, involvement, and decent art, even though the artists that were used varied quite a bit from story to story. All right, well, that will do it all. Do it for today. Well, let me know what you think. Email me, classycomicguy at gmail.com, or check out my website, classycomicguy.com. In the meantime, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.